Encouraging news concerning the recovery of Buffalo Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin. Still listed in critical condition in an intensive care unit at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, doctors have said the star safety is neurologically intact and showing remarkable improvement. Hamlin's shocking collapse on Monday Night Football, maybe some of you saw that, Anybody see it? Okay. Um, along with an unprecedented outpouring of love, support, and even public prayer for the 24-year-old has riveted the country. After all, when is the last time you saw a sports analyst, along with his colleagues on ESPN, bowing their heads and calling out in, to the Lord in prayer? And I saw a picture of this huge circle of prayer, football players and attendants and, and so forth, uh, just bowing on their knees to the Lord in prayer. Um, first, let's be clear, prayer makes a difference. In Hamlin's recovery, I believe we're seeing God answer prayer in real time. But why did an increasingly secular country where faith and prayer are routinely derided and mocked suddenly turn its collective eyes upward to God? What's going on? Cynics might chalk this week up to raw emotion, but I think something much deeper and more important is going on in the United States of America. Even though many may not be able to articulate it, there's a spiritual hunger in America. And it manifests in a variety of ways, but especially in times of crisis, just like was witnessed last Monday night. The shocking sight of Hamlin's cardiac arrest and then limp body lying out on a football field is a harsh but instructive reminder that life is fragile and we are frail. If an athlete in the prime of his life can nearly die playing a football game, we're reminded that all of us are living on borrowed time. Crisis and catastrophe cause us to cut through the fog and the fluff of life. It forces us to focus on what's most important. Too many of us to many of us, Hamlin represents the hopes and dreams we have for the next generation. He's a young man who sees his life and his work as something of a divine calling. He has a purpose. He has goals, discussing the platform God gave him to give back to his community through, the, through his charitable work. And he recently said, I feel like that's God's God." talking to me. I really feel like that's what my purpose is. That's why he put me here. Do you know why God put you here? Not far from the Pecor Stadium in Cincinnati where the football star collapsed, there are scores of men and women, Hamlin's age, desperate for a sense of purpose, many struggling through lies of addiction, violence, hopelessness, despair for whatever reason. I believe there is a spiritual hunger rising in this nation and may not show itself real clear sometimes, but something like this, just like this man said, it brings it out real clear. And this is what we're praying for. And the songs this morning, again, they just flowed right with that. And God, we do pray for revival. Lord, send a revival to this nation. Lord, send a revival to Minnesota. Lord, send a revival to the counties which we represent. Lord, send a revival to the towns and rural areas that we represent. Revive us again. Fill each heart with your fire. 
And as Lord, as we sang those songs this morning, I felt like it was a prayer and it was a declaration of these very things. So we stand together for this and for the prodigals that were mentioned in that, those songs. Lord, we thank you for it. Coming home. Maybe there's somebody here, somebody watching online, that you're in that place. Why well, say, today is the day. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Savior. Well, do it today. Just come to him. Say, I need a Savior. I need, a, I need you. I come to you. I give myself to you. Maybe it's someone right here in this room. Or maybe you've fallen away from your walk in the Lord. Begin like, I think it was the first or second song, was just calling that those back that had lost their first love. Lord, we call that forth in Jesus' name. And everyone said, everybody that agreed said, Amen, Amen. Well, let's stand up and we'll release our kids at sixth grade on down to their classes. Everybody stand and greet each other. If you need help with your kids finding the right place to go, just ask someone next to you and they'll, or maybe you can help them if you see the kids need help. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Well, I suppose we'll have to do that again. Good morning, everybody. There we go. That's the way it'd be. All right. Well, welcome to Ten Strike Church, everybody. It's glad to see lots of faces this lovely January morning. A um, few announcements for us before we uh, go ahead here. And I didn't get the most recent email, actually, so <laughs> uh, I think there's a meal after church, right? No? All right. There's no meal? Yes, there's a meal. All right. It'll be at the coffee bar. I think it's sandwiches, right? All right. Zach knows what he's talking about. All right. So that's what's going on. Uh, so stick around for fellowship. Uh, talk to one another. Laugh. All that good stuff. Food. And you're welcome to stay. Um... I know one announcement that we do have is that uh, we'll have the regular weekly activities except for youth group, uh, that uh, the youth group will be rebooting as the Amplify uh, on Wednesday, January 18th. Until then, the kids have winter break, and also the kids' activities have winter break. And obviously, we have Touchpoint and all that good stuff on Wednesday, though, so tune in for those things. And... Uh, just to note, we have the uh, boxes on the back for our tithes and offerings. And so I'll say a, a quick prayer over those right now. And so, Father, we lift up our giving this week and this year, Jesus. We know that you are the provider of all things. We know that you are the giver, uh, the good giver, the Father who, who doesn't give poor gifts, but he gives quality gifts to his children. And we just see for ourselves in this year, we, we set our on you, on your, uh, your goodness, Jesus, that we would just be overcome by what we have, even right now, that we'd be thankful. And as we give, that we would be thinking about your provision, not for ourselves having to try to um, provide for ourselves, but that you are that true giver. You are the source of all life and goodness. So in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So as you can see, my wife is standing up here with me. Move this. And so um, a bigger announcement that we have today, obviously, we, we made an announcement about <laughs> a little one coming soon. Um, but uh, with that, uh, Maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. Uh, I think announcement has been made, maybe. No? Okay. Um, as you probably know, me and my wife have been, uh, Linnea, we've been the uh, youth directors for, what's it, seven, seven years now, which is a good number, we think, <laughs> uh, a, a fitting number. And so 
because we are stepping into uh, a new stage of life, uh, we uh, will be stepping away from that role uh, this year, and especially um, coming right up on the 18th, uh, we'll be starting a new, a new chapter in the youth group where um, Zach and Abby Binder will actually be taking over that role. So we're very excited for that. <laughs> And so I think we're actually going to invite them up here and have a moment of prayer here. Gus, would you come up to please? And we're going to have prayer over them. Why don't you all just stand up with us? And why don't you stand like in here, like over here, Zach and Abby? <laughs> we'll have you come up. Awesome. <laughs> will come to you. <laughs> why don't you move ahead so I have a little room here? Okay, good. All right, and so you can just reach a hand out toward them, and um, Peter, would you lead out in prayer? Mm -hmm. uh, and I just want to, before we do that, I just want to thank Peter and Linnea. Seven years—that's that's that's a long time for youth leaders. I mean, that's. That's, that's called faithfulness, you know, that's what it is. And we're just thankful for you, so thankful for you um, and what you've done. And, and we see that anointing on your lives too, the Holy Spirit. And in fact, Peter and Linnea are going to be sharing with us today from the Word in just a few moments. But Peter, if you could do that, if you could lead out. Father, we do lift up Zach and Abby Binder and their family. We are so blessed to have them in our, in our community, in our church body. And taking over this, this new role, it's a, it's, it's a big role. And we are just so thankful that they are, uh, whether they, they feel they're ready or not, Jesus, we know that they are stepping in in faith, um, stepping in trusting you and your designs, your power. And we know that the you are going to be pouring out of them, that it's not going to be they who work, that they are just going to be the vessels of your spirit, of your love, of your joy, and just enthusiasm for uh, these wonderful youth that come here. And we just pray a, a blessing of abundance that more and more would be streaming in, would be coming to know you and finding you um, through the work of this family, this wonderful family. Uh, Jesus, we just pray blessing upon blessing. Yes, overflow upon overflow, energy upon energy to, to meet the needs, Jesus. Uh, yes, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Joyce, I'm going to have you anoint them. You know, like I was sharing with the worship team and those that have ministered that way to worship, they know without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it just isn't the same at all. And we know that that's, that's true with like Peter and Linnea as they've been in this role and now Zach and Abby in this role as youth directors, Lord, that anointing of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord, even now. That impartation of your Holy Spirit upon them for all that is needed, that power, that empowerment, the strength, for the wisdom, for direction. Lord, we pray your protection over them. We, we pray this for both uh, these couples here uh, and going forward, Lord. Um, your provision, your revelation, illumination, your wholeness and healing, and we thank you they are whole in spirit, your Holy Spirit's within them, <clears throat> but also emotions, mind, soul, and body as well, Lord. And as we go forward here, we just cover the youth group in prayer. We were just talking about our nation being at that place where there is a hunger and a thirst coming forth. And we believe it particular will come forth 
we've seen that in the past, Lord, in this congregation. Like the young people leading the way for us, Lord. And Lord, we would just open the doors for that of our hearts and this church for that outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon everyone, starting even with the youth directors, Zach and Abby, but just through the whole group, in Jesus' name. We pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that we can be supportive of them as a church family. Very supportive in prayer, but in other ways as you show. And we give you thanks for that as well. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Oh, just a second. Did you have any announcement about, well, we already announced about the youth. Any more that you'd want to we say? We have one. Okay. Have one. Um, right. So, as Peter was saying, we are launching on the 18th. That'll be our first Youth Wednesday starting at 6, but um, not too far after that, we'll be doing our first event, which is uh, going to be called a roundabout. Um, we'll be pairing with Country Faith in Clearbrook. They're going to be bringing a bus over here. Um, we're going to have a pizza party here. Um, and worship, and then we're going to be boarding the bus with the youth group from Country Faith. We'll be going to Bemidji to go bowling, and then we're going to go from Bemidji to Foston to see a movie, and we're going to pick up another church there, and then we're going to go from there to the Christian school in Bagley, and this is going all night, so it's going to start like 7, and we'll be done at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for volunteers to... Bob already volunteered to, to uh, chaperone, so, but uh, I'm not going to be there. Um, no. <laughs> but, uh, and then we'll be ending right back at 10 strike at 6 o'clock in the morning. So, it'll be a lot of fun. So, you're not going to start off with just a little minimal type of a entrance, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. And Lord, we thank you for your anointing on Peter and Linnea. And that teaching gift that is in them as they share your word with us this morning. Amen. And you need that. I'm not sure it's on or not. Oh, do you have one? Yeah, she's got one. Yes, good morning. Hello. There you go. So yes, Lord, we do just thank you for this morning, and we just ask that the words that we speak would be what you were saying, and that we would be able to hear your word today and know just even more your character and how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's the first time we, uh, I heard those plans for First Day Youth Group. Ooh. That's something. <laughs> that's very awesome. I am, I'm very excited for them and excited that uh, we don't have to do <laughs> No, I'm sure it'll be great. No, we, we yeah. <laughs> Jokes. All right. So uh, one of the things we wanted to do in starting off here, we were thinking about, you know, the beginning of the year, we, we thought it was uh, fitting that we would be speaking on the day we were announcing, you know, we're uh, shifting our chapters, we're, we're moving on, and so we thought it'd be a good time to spend just a few moments at least reflecting on maybe just some of the things we were thinking about and and some of the things we maybe thought we, we kind of learned over our, our, our tenure, I guess you could say, our seven years of, of working with the, the youth of Ten Strike, which um, really has been a, was a really meaningful chapter in our lives. We, I don't know if we're, we've quite actually registered um, the, you know, the change that, that, that it's brought, you know, it's, and uh, registered what we're kind of moving on from. We 
our, our last youth group, we had a moment and we were sitting there and like, oh, feeling sad about it, but I feel like we're going to feel even sadder knowing we're, we're going to be missing something like that. That sounds like a lot of fun. As I was listening to it, I was like, I actually felt like, oh man, I kind of want to go. <laughs> but so. Well, you could. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe, you could <laughs> still go. <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't say that too loud, but um, yeah. We, uh, man, we love those kids. We, uh, we're going to miss being there every week, but we're going to try to go back some. Uh, but I feel like um, among the things of trying to articulate some of the things we've learned, uh, I think one of the major things is uh, thinking about uh, uh, what, what is it that uh, well, the youth of America need, I guess, today. Um, how do, we, how do we reach them, I think, is a big question, right, that's on a lot of people's minds. And I think it's a, it's a big anxiety for a lot of people, I feel. Um, there's a, a lot of rhetoric about, um, you know, the next generation. How are they going to fit? You know, how are they going to, to work, right? Once they grow up, are they going to be ready for the things that they have to face? And a lot of people say, well, they're probably not, right? This is the, the internet generation or the, the social media generation. And... And they're, they're just not going to be prepared for the, the real rigor of life. Um, but I think what we've learned is that uh, <laughs> some of those fears are, are maybe, uh, that, that there's reason to them, uh, but they're, I think they're somewhat unfounded. Uh, uh, I think what, what we've found most of all, <laughs> uh, trying to put the best words to this, is that what students need today is to be, oh, I'm gonna use a better mic. What, sounds the same to me. Uh, what, what students really need is to be taken seriously. <laughs> um, uh, we found that in our approach at least, um, it was best not to, to approach students as seeing their problems as lesser or more dismissible than the problems of the past, right? Oh, uh, your internet problems, your digital problems aren't as, as important as, you know, the real problems that we faced in our generations in the past, right? Sometimes I feel like what the attitude that um, teenagers today receive a little bit, um, you know, oh, you're, 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 you're weak, you're, you're, you're being kind of mamby-pamby about life, um, your problems aren't real problems, they're all in your head. Um, whether that's true or not, I guess I can't speak to. What I can speak to is that what teenagers need is to be treated as though they're real people. <laughs> um, that their problems are real and that we need to speak to them where they're at um, is always, a, I think, a big thing. And we found that our approach um, was always to, to come in gentleness, to come in grace, and to come in compassion. Um, for what teenagers of today have to say, to what youth of today have to say. Because um, whether we like it or not, um, these are the people who are going to grow up and are going to um, be the next generation who is going to make decisions for what the world's going to look like and what they're going to do. And uh, we can't control them, but we can speak into their lives and we can treat them with genuineness. Um, because we, I think what we really think is that is that was, that's what they're really longing for. Uh, this is a generation that um, is maybe marked by a lot of confusion, um, is marked by a lot of, uh, a lot of knowledge. They, they have more knowledge than they ever have before, and there's a lot of uh, dissonance and distraction, <laughs> more distraction than ever before, and lack of focus. Um, but they're looking for focus. They're desperate for it. They're desperate for something to hold on to. They're desperate for something real, and genuine and true. Um, and so we believe that we, we have that for them. We believe that a true identity in Christ, knowing who they are, is, is something that is precious. <laughs> um, maybe more precious now than ever, um, with a world full of so many, so many questions about who am I and, and what am I doing in this world and what's real? <laughs> um, what's really real? Um, yeah, I think that is it. Um, authenticity is what this generation is seeking for. And I know sometimes on the surface level we can see um, just the confusion and just 
the searching and just the worldliness, but in reality, when we see what the kingdom of God is doing and what um, the youth are really searching for, it's, it's truth, it's identity, it's knowing who they are. And if you think back to all the generations of the past, um, every, every set of youth or teenagers has gone through some kind of, um, to the rest of the world would look like, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on with the youth of Amer America? But God is faithful. God is always their father. God is always our father. And um, it just really strikes me that oftentimes we can choose to speak about the world or about generations in a way that God's not speaking. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. But I actually want to read a scripture from Isaiah 9, 6. And this may sound pretty familiar, especially since we just came out of the Christmas season. But there were some things that struck me um, just in talking and reflecting and just how we see the world and how we see youth and each other. Um, it's Isaiah 9-6, and you can put that scripture up if you'd like, Carson. Okay, it is perfect. Um, for, I guess I can read it from there. Uh, Isaiah 9-6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Um, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, um, and it goes on to say that his government and peace, there will be no end. But something that struck me is Everlasting Father. And the government is on his shoulders. And so... When we think of youth, when we think of children, we think of parents, too. We've been thinking a lot about that lately. And God is always the father to every teenage generation, every um, middle-aged generation, every elderly generation. He is always the father. He's the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And so even though it can be easy to look at what's going on in the world, what like, I never did that when I was a kid, or oh my goodness, look at what they're into these days. It can be easy to see that, but what we can see is God is their father. And what better faithful father is God than him? And I will tell you, there is so much hope for this generation. There's so much hope. The group of kids that we had in our youth group gave us that indication, like showed us, planted like a huge seed of hope in our hearts for how hungry they are for Jesus. And there's so many, just in every generation, God is so faithful to draw people to himself. And so I just want to encourage you with that. And, um, we're going to kind of move into talking about hope um, more, you know, in general. But just kind of starting out with thinking about youth and, and transitioning, just how our perspectives, we always want to look at children and teenagers from a perspective of where's the hope? And it's in Christ. And so we encourage you, if you've ever found yourself in a place who's you're having those anxieties about the future of our country or the future, uh, the next this next generation and what they're going to uh, bring and what their what their character is going to be like and whether they're going to exemplify the kingdom of God, because that should be really our our main concern. Are they going to just follow after Jesus Christ? They may not 
always do it in the way that um, past generations did. They may not use the same uh, ways of communication, right? Um, things may look different. They'll dress a little different. Um, but what we should really be concerned about is, are they going to just exemplify the character of who Jesus is in this day, in this world, in the context of the place that we're in? Um, and I encourage, if, you, if you're worried that they're not going to do that, I'd go and actually talk to some youth. <laughs> um, find the youth of this church and, and just have a, have a conversation with them. I'm sure they'll, I mean, you know, they'll be teenagers about it. They'll, <laughs> I don't know how, what, what kind of responses you'll get, depending on the day. Um, but I promise you that they, they have hearts set after Christ. Um, we, we've seen that. Um, and maybe that'd be easy to dismiss, too. It's like, oh, well, these are the, the church kids. They have to talk that way. They have to give the church responses. Um, but we, we've become convinced that the students here, um, they're not just giving the, the nice churchy responses, that they have true hearts set on him. Um, and, and I think you'll, you'll find a realness and a genuineness there. So... Um, that's an encouragement for, for all of us, I think. Yeah. So, uh, I have a little a Bible story for us um, that kind of goes with this theme, I think, of, of hope and, and looking to the future, right, about what, um, how we just set our minds on the kind of people we want to be. Uh, and so this is first from 1 Kings 19. This is a story maybe you've heard before. Uh, and this story follows right after a, a, probably a slightly more famous story um, starring the, uh, the prophet Elijah. Um, I don't know if we remember this story uh, where uh, Elijah faces off with uh, a series of other prophets and uh, shaman and so-called holy men who were living in the land who were worshiping other gods, the Baals, the uh, the, the, the great statues and things that have been set up in the land. And, and these people all gathered together and they said, well, we're greater than your God, Elijah. And Elijah said, all alone by himself, facing off with all these people, he said, no, uh, I think you're wrong. I think the God, uh, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is greater than your gods. And they said, okay, let's have a face-off. And, and so, uh, if you know the story, the, the gods of, uh, the, the prophets of Baal, they they ask for fire to come down and consume their altars, right? And nothing happens. And they, they pray and scream and tear their clothes and, and cut themselves and all sorts of terrible things and nothing happens. And, and Elijah simply makes a simple altar. Uh, he pours water over it. He soaks it. And he says a simple prayer. And a great fire falls from heaven and, and showcases that, sure enough, God is, our God is the one true God. Um, the God who is real, the God who is faithful, and the God who shows himself more powerful than what the majority <laughs> seems to believe, right? Um, and so this, was a, this is a moment where Elijah is seeing um, God's coming in, in power, coming in uh, because of simple faith, right? He shows his simple faith, and God reveals himself in that moment. Uh, and you would think that after... An event like that, your faith would be strengthened, bolstered. You would feel maybe confident to go out and, and to do the next step, right? God has showed himself great. All right, now we got to bring this to the people. Uh, but this is how he responded instead. And so starting from verse 1, we see um, that Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done. And also he had executed all the prophets with his sword. And Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw this message, he arose and he ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a tree. And he prayed that he might die there and said, It's enough. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than all my fathers. And as he lay and he slept under that tree, an angel came and said, Come, arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he laid down again. And the angel came back a second time and said, Arise and eat, because there's a journey too great for you. And he arose and he ate and he drank. And he went in strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights up to the Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. 
And there he stayed in a cave, and he spent a night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have entirely forsaken your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left in all the world, and they seek to take my life now. And so the Lord said to him, Go, stand on the mountain before me. And behold, the Lord passed by, and there was a great and there was a strong wind that tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces. But the Lord was not in the wind itself. And after that wind, there was a great earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake either. And after the earthquake, there was a great fire that raged, but the Lord was also not in the fire. And after that fire, there was just a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And that voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for you, God, because the children of Israel have forsaken you. They've torn down your altars. They killed your prophets. I alone am left, and now they seek to take me in my life. And the Lord said, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and then Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, of Abel Mehalah, and you shall anoint him as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whatever, whoever escapes the sword of Hazael and Jehu, uh, that Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. And yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to the bales, and every mouth that has not kissed him. It's kind of a bizarre story. <laughs> uh, you get this moment where Elijah has had his greatest victory, um, and yet he, when his, he finds that he's, uh, there's a conflict he finds danger is a, as a result, he shrinks back in fear and anxiety. He thinks to him, he, his, his big statement to God, he says it twice over, right, in that, in that story. Uh, his accusation is, the Lord, is, Lord, I have passionately served you my whole life. I have seen your great wonders, and yet it's been pointless. It's come to nothing. This generation is... Uh, completely devoid of you. It's a godless generation. There's none to serve you. I am alone, right? And, and now I'm going to die. Uh, you apparently have no real power in this world, is sort of his accusation. And the Lord does an interesting thing, doesn't he? He shows him images of great power, fire and earthquake and wind, and yet, it makes this distinct statement that that idea of power is not what God is really all about. That God's idea of power is about a still, small voice that speaks into the hearts of people. And then he tells Elijah what the real truth is. <laughs> Elijah's, what, his, what he thinks the truth is, what he's seen through his eyes, and perhaps that was, you know, that's what, that's what Elijah knows, that's what he sees uh, he sees this hopeless situation. He sees a nation that doesn't serve the Lord. Um, but God, he sees more than we see. He has a bigger vision than we often have. And so he tells Elijah what the actual truth is. And the actual truth was is that there are people waiting, <laughs> just waiting to take that mantle from him. Uh, it's interesting. It, it makes that note that Elijah puts his mantle on and he goes out to meet the Lord. And the Lord tells him that he's going to pass that torch on, that there's a new generation of kings and prophets just waiting to take it up and to move forward with what Elijah had started. Uh, and not only that, but there's 7,000 people, just people who, who are humble and people who are uh, serving the Lord in their own place. People that Elijah had never seen or heard of and yet there they were, 7,000, which is obviously a pretty significant number. Um, and so what that story, I think, speaks to me is, is just this idea of, of 
how, how we come to our world, how we see our world, really matters, I think, to the Lord. Uh, I think that's what part of the point of the story is, is to sort of teach us uh, about this idea of hope. Um, that it's not just this, uh, sometimes we, we hear that word hope, and we think this idea of uh, wishful thinking, right? Uh, you know, it's just, think nice thoughts, don't think bad thoughts, ignore, ignore all the dark things of this world, stick your head in the sand, that's what hope looks like to some people. Um, but God's version of hope acknowledges, <laughs> I think, that there are, that, that there's a truth in what Elijah was saying, right? Oh, this, this world uh, seems hopeless, sure. There are things to worry about. There are things to be anxious about. But it's what we do with those anxieties and fears that really matters, I think. Uh, and it's whether we're going to put stock in, uh, are we going to say the most powerful thing is the raging, earthquakey, uh, chaoticness of this world, or is the real power in that still small voice, right? Um, can God do something with this generation? <laughs> um, can he work um, with his people? And I think the truth is always going to be yes, 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 and yes again. If he could work with the people of the past, if he could work with the people in Elijah's generation, he can do something great with this generation as well. He is doing something great, in fact. I think that's part of the point, too. It's not this hope for some distant, vague, fuzzy future where maybe God could do something, right? It's right here, right now, there are people who are serving him, and we need to open our eyes and, and see it. And if we see it and we start speaking it out, maybe, maybe we'll actually start helping that situation. We'll start moving something forward. Yeah, so that's so good. Just that still, small voice <laughs> is really what brings power. And if you think about that, then we don't need to gain power. We don't need to gain um, this authority that we've already been given because God speaks to us. He speaks to us. And he asks us to speak for him, to speak his words, to speak what he's saying. And because of this, this power, um, whenever you try to gain power, the power becomes poisoned. <laughs> and you become poisoned and people around you when you try to grab onto that or you try to seek after that. And I think sometimes that can even happen as Christians, even if it's powerful things that we think are really important or even within the church or we, we try to gain that power, we try to earn that or we try to use it over people and then it becomes poisonous. But when we're able to receive the power of the Holy Spirit by hearing his voice and allowing those words to be planted into our heart, there is no power that is greater than that. And it, it's not only not poisoned, it breathes life, everlasting life to people. Um, one of my favorite definitions of hope is the joyful expectation of good. <laughs> and I have to remind myself of that every day. Joyful, I want to wake up in the morning and say, what is, I'm joyfully expecting good today. I'm joyfully expecting to see the goodness of God. It could be the worst day <laughs> ever. But if you're able to adjust your eyes, adjust your vision to see what God is doing, if God is always good, then if what we're seeing isn't good, then maybe we're just not looking in the right place. And so it can be hard, it can be difficult when there's things swirling around us, when there's circumstances and there's life and there's the world and the news. But when we're able to open our eyes and adjust our vision to see the goodness of God, then that's really where hope is founded. That's where hope is stirred up in our hearts. And... Um, so I think sometimes we, um, well, in reality, if ever we're not feeling hope in a situation, if ever we're feeling hopeless, 
we're believing a lie. We are believing a lie about that situation. So that's a good indicator for you. If you're feeling hopeless in any situation or hopeless um, regarding a certain thought or a certain person or yourself, then it could very well be that you're not believing the truth of what God says because God is a God of hope. And there's nothing that he will say that will steal hope from you. And so when we speak, so Peter said, power in that still small voice as Elijah like figured out. When we speak, we carry that same power. And so what are we releasing? Are we releasing hope? Are we speaking what God speaks? Or are we speaking what we see? Are we speaking what is going around us? And like Peter said, it's important to address those things. Living in faith is not living in denial. And I think sometimes we can think that too, is never say anything, never never address the reality of what's going on. But that's not actually what God's asking. <laughs> what we want to do is we want to pour out our hearts before the Lord. If you look at Psalms, oftentimes it begins with a lament before the Lord, but it always ends in recognizing and having that revelation of hope in God, knowing that God is magnificent, that he is everlasting, that he's powerful. And so when we, um, so when we speak and when we hear from him, we need to speak the words of truth and recognize that if we're believing lies, that we need to receive that truth and um, because if we're not, then we really are living in darkness. We're being blinded to what God is doing if we don't center our focus, if we don't shift our focus to him. And so that can apply to how we see the world, how we see generations, how we see people, but really, it narrows itself into how we see ourselves, how we see what God sees about us. And if we're not believing or seeing or thinking about ourselves, what God thinks, then we're not going to be speaking and doing what God is doing. Well, I'll just maybe finish then with a, a dream here. Um, so the first, the first night of, um, well, the first morning of January 1st, I guess stayed up till midnight. So it was, anyways, waking up January 1st, I actually had a dream. And I don't, I'm not one to typically have like, I, I have a lot of dreams, but I'm not one to have a dream that really stands out as something that I feel like the Lord is really trying to share. Um, but this was one of them. In the dream, I was asking the Lord for a word for someone. And it wasn't clear who this person was. Actually, this person kind of changed into a bunch of different people. So I got the impression that this is for all of us. Um, but what I saw was I saw a picture of a dove. And it was a dove that was following after this person or any of us. And they were running and they were afraid. And they were just running and running. And the dove then was just gently following, gently following. And then the dove kind of turned into like, this translucent, like, blanket, but still beautifully flowing. It was, like, whitish, sparkly, just, like, full of light, just still flowing after this person. And then I felt like the Lord was saying, um, I will always 
be following after you. I will always be pursuing you. But my pursuit of you isn't aggressive or obtrusive. It's gentle and it's kind, it's loving. And all you have to do is stop running, to stop running. And so this person, they did, they stopped running. And then this, this blanket, like, but also still having the features of a dove, like wrapped around this person. And the Lord was saying, I want to envelop you in my love, joy, hope, and peace. I want to completely surround you and illuminate you in these things. And so that's what the Lord did for this person in the dream, just wrapping them around, or wrapping around them. And when I woke up, I was like, wow, <laughs> that is so, it was so encouraging to me. And it just ministered that hope that oftentimes, we might think we even talk about God chasing after us and with all reason, like that's so good. But just this idea of him gently wrapping himself around us. And so if we even just have that perspective for the lost loved ones in our lives, for those people out there who so desperately need to stop running, and a lot of us, have things that we're probably running from and we don't even realize that what it's running from what we're running from is the love and joy and hope and peace of Christ. And so I encourage you if there's anyone you know that is running from God but also if there's areas in our life where we're just running that we would stop exhausting ourselves running to try to accomplish what God is doing instead of just stopping, listening to that still small voice and just being enveloped in that love so that we're able to then speak that and release that to people around us. So I'll just, um, in closing, just read a scripture that kind of ties into that. It's Romans 15, 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, Father, we... We hear this word here at the top of 2023, and it's a good word to know that we can hope in something real and tangible, that our hopes aren't unfounded, that our hopes aren't on something vague, but they're on the person of Jesus Christ, the real spirit of the one who loves us, who created us, who died for us, and whose power still remains in us today, who shows us um, who we can become and what are we to be are to be. We can place our hope on you. And so I pray for each of us that we would know that, that we would know that deep to our core, <laughs> that there's nothing else we, we need to try to place our hope in, that it is simply on you. And so that when those things do come, because 2023 is going to present things to us, <laughs> or it's going to try to at least, there's going to be news items, there's going to be personal situations that are going to come forward, and we'll have decisions on how to think about them, what to say, and what to do. And I pray that the first things that come out of our mouths, the first things that come to our hearts and our minds, um, will be listening to that still small voice. And it's not always going to be easy. Those other things are going to be calling and crying and clawing for our attention. But Jesus, I pray that we would fixate our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our lives, <laughs> the source of all life, Jesus. I pray we would be uh, just connected like a, like a laser beam whew, to that, that source of good life, oh, Jesus. 
Uh, we know that there are good things to expect, that our eyes would be open to the hopes of the wonders of what you're doing. Despite all the things that make it seem like this world is falling apart, you do not change. And if we keep our eyes on you, we'll see that there is goodness, that there is hope and wonder and beauty left in this old world that you've created because you have a plan and a purpose of redemption, not a plan and a purpose of destruction and corruption and condemnation, but a destruction, uh, but a plan of renewal and redemption and the hope for all humanity. Just as we've come out of the Christmas season, we know that there is hope for us because you have placed it there. Not because of anything we've done, but because you are who you are. And so we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, we thank you, and we bless 2023 and all that it holds. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. That's really good. You can see the flow of the whole service just. And we are in this day. We're in 2023. We're going forward together. And we are a church family um, going forward, but also individuals, also families. And um, the Holy Spirit, like in this dream of the Naiad, that was so neat. You know, He's with us and He's not. He's, he's in us. It made me think right away of Jesus, um, Matthew 3.16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He could see in the spirit realm, and he was seeing in the spirit realm, beyond the natural, into the spirit. There is a spirit realm right here. The heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And see, the Holy Spirit has come upon us as we receive him, the Holy Spirit, in our lives. For our individual lives, you know what we're doing, but this is for every day of 2023 through this whole month of January, but then the rest of the months, through this whole week, through this whole day, through this whole hour, through this whole minute that's ahead of us now. Every second, the Holy Spirit is there with us, and he speaks to us. And the Lord opens the door for what God would say to us, to affirm us in who we are, like you were saying. And look what happened here. It says... He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There's that voice of the Spirit of God coming forth to us. And he will do that in your life as you seek him. Let's stay strong in the word. He uses a lot of things to speak to us. I opened up to this page, and it happens to be I have a leaf in there. I've kept, it's been in there a couple of years. I was, I don't know, I think I was having kind of a down day or something. Got to be like a little child with this stuff. I mean, Jesus said that. Faith of a child, you know. And I honestly can't remember the circumstance, but I was, I was walking along, it was in the fall, evidently, and I was just walking along, and I, I guess there were thoughts that were trying to get on me. God is just not with me in this situation or something. All of a sudden, I was walking, and right there, just landed in my hand. And I looked at it, and I started looking at all the intricacies of it. And it's like the Lord said, I know every single cell in that leaf. And I planned for it to grow on that tree and to fall into your hand right now. Do you think I can take care of this situation right now? I know every cell of your being just as well as I know that 
leaf. But anyway, I left the leaf in there, in the leaf of my Bible. Hallelujah. We go forth in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, with his presence, with your presence, Lord, with your empowerment for this whole year ahead, but also for these next few minutes. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So we do have the fellowship. We do have the sandwiches and such available for everyone that would like to. If you would like prayer, please come forward. We'll pray with you. And uh, thank you so much. Amen. Very good. <clears throat> and thanks to our worship team again, too. Did you hear that worship team? <laughs>